as we continue this series, All the Feels, um, and before Jacob comes and continues it for us in week two, let's read our scripture today that comes out of the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament. Comes out of this, it says, Luke 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, who is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. Let it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What I want to talk to you about this morning is there's something in the Christmas story that we often miss and I think the reason we miss it is because the story is so, so much a part of our tradition, even a part of our, our secular uh, traditions, that we have uh, lights on top of uh, Christmas trees. We don't necessarily think about the light and the star uh, at, at Christmas. We have, you know, nativity scenes. We, we give gifts like the wise men, but it, it's become such a part of what we do. What I'm trying to say is uh, we've just sort of gotten used to it, right? And that's okay, and all those things are good, but just sometimes we, we sort of get used to the story, and there's a part of the story that I don't think we're supposed to get used to. It's described in dramatic detail in each uh, gospel narrative that tells us about the Christmas story. And it's simply this. Uh, The Christmas story shows us people that are utterly and completely facing the impossible. I'll say that again. The Christmas story, each each one of the people, what I'm talking about is is Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, are folks that are are facing the utterly and completely impossible. So in a uh, precious moments nativity scene, you don't often see... That Mary and Joseph maybe are exhausted, or afraid, or surprised, or feeling rejected, or feeling wonder. I like precious moments, nativity scenes. This is not, I'm not here to bash precious moments. What kind of person would do that, okay? I don't know, precious moments, I'm like, this is like from the 90s. I don't even know what, you know what we're talking about. <laughs> there are these sweet little kids, and they have big eyes. They all look like they have a little tear uh, right in the corner of their eye. Um, uh, this is what impossible looks like. This is Roxanne's van after she totaled it. On that day, Roxanne was trying to prioritize the things that already needed to be fixed on her van. You ever do that? Like, what, what can I, I've got all these things wrong. What can I, which one can I fix? And on that day, she lost her van completely. But let me back up just a little bit. 10 years before this, Roxanne received a phone call from her cousin. Her cousin had just given birth to a baby prematurely and the child had serious health conditions, and the cousin was telling Roxanne that she would not be able to keep the baby and would have to to give the baby up to foster care. And so, um, not knowing all that that would mean, Roxanne and her husband Tim stepped up and adopted the baby, and they named her Grace. Gracie 
endured two major surgeries before she was three months old. One was heart surgery and the other was to place a feeding tube. After some time, they finally diagnosed her with what's called Prader-Willi syndrome. It's a multi-system disorder characterized by extremely low muscle tone and the inability to feed properly. And it also typically involves a significant cognitive impairment. Again, not knowing how all that would go, Gracie's new family welcomed her with open arms. Over the next few years, there were a lot of ups and downs. Gracie had this tracheostomy to address her collapsed airway, a shunt to relieve uh, cerebral fluid, and multiple illnesses and hospital stays. But Gracie also worked hard day after day after day in speech therapy and occupational therapy and physical therapy. She learned to eat solid food, to sit up, and to breathe without her trach. She hasn't learned to walk unassisted yet, but she can operate her wheelchair by herself, write her name, and communicate with her iPad. As I'm sure you can tell, Gracie is totally awesome. Several years ago, thank God, Gracie and her family became a part of Providence Church, and we've watched her grow and thrive. This uh, next one is a picture of me with Gracie on the opening night of our church building here. We had a big party in open house with a couple of her friends. It's my favorite picture from that night. But back to the van. This is what impossible looks like. Months before the wreck, Roxanne had applied for a grant for a handicap accessible van, this one was not, from an organization that does amazing things like that. But because there were so many requests and Roxanne already had a van, Roxanne received the email that her request was denied. Three weeks later, her van was gone. We at the church were walking alongside Roxanne, helping with her rental van, but time was running out, and it was a tough time to the, for the family. Unbeknownst to us, though, the person who'd been awarded that free new van had found another way to get transportation and no longer needed a new van, so the charity reviewed the grants again, and Roxanne got it. Pastor Mark and I actually got to be with Roxanne and Gracie when their brand new Gracie Ready van was there. Gracie picked out the color, bright red. So you tell me, is this what impossible looks like? Or is this what impossible looks like? I share that story with you because we love Roxanne and Gracie, right? They're ours. And we celebrate with them. I wanted you to know that, that story. But I also share it with you so that you can experience a story that you're not used to yet. Just the feeling of it. Where are we going? What's going to happen? The wonder of a story, uh, the power of it, that moment when you say, really? I mean, Mark and I, I remember standing behind the van uh, when they got it, and we literally were talking, we're like, we said, is this really happening? <laughs> it felt so extravagant and so beautiful. In, in, in stories that we're not used to, sometimes it's easier for us to see God doing something that just a few days before we wondered, is there going to be a way? And is there going to be a way out? And so I invite you this morning to hear a story maybe that you've heard before, one maybe that you're even used to from Luke chapter 1 with those same ears, those same hearts that you just gave to me as I was sharing that story about Gracie and Roxanne. It starts in Luke chapter 1. We've already read it, but it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. We'll stop there. 
the story is already being situated and dated by a woman who uh, was unable to conceive, who was well past childbearing years, and is now entering her third trimester, I think. I never quite understood all that, but I think, uh, don't correct me. That's what we call impossible. That's impossible. Next, we're told that God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Gabriel is a super famous angel. Like if you're in, in their story, like Mary's story, Gabriel is a super famous angel who shows up at moments when really big, beautiful things are happening. Like Gabriel showed up to Daniel like way back, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, like the Daniel in the lion's den guy. Gabriel showed up to him. And so Gabriel shows up in Nazareth. Where, what is Nazareth? Nazareth is this small town, this out-of-the-way town that people would say about Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And so it's Nazareth that Gabriel, the angel, is coming to, and he comes to Mary. Mary's name actually means in Hebrew, bitter. It was a common name, very common name, the most common name for girls in the time of Jesus' birth. The reason is because the Hebrew people were growing kind of bitter. Can you imagine a people that were just kind of growing tired of it all, wondering when things were gonna get better? And so they named their, their children bitter. They carried around this name. It was a symbol to them that God had not yet come, that God had not yet done what God said God would do. Mary's son, she is told, would become the king that would set up the throne of David. If you were there, you would think that's impossible because David's throne was a fairy tale at that time. David's throne, the, the throne in Jerusalem, had not been seated by the Jews in generations. They had been taken over by the, by the Roman Empire, the most powerful kingdom in the world. And so now this girl in Nazareth, where nothing good comes from, is going to have a son who will be the new king. Oh, by the way, this king is going to reign forever. And oh yeah, one more thing. Mary's a virgin. This is what impossible looks like. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin, to which we say, Good question, Mary. <laughs> the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your cousin, your relative is gonna have a child in her old age and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. And Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. First, Mary asks, how? Just like you may be asking how right now. Just like you might be connecting the dots and thinking, okay, God didn't leave Roxanne and Gracie alone in their impossible situation. And God didn't leave Mary and Elizabeth alone in their impossible situation. And I've heard your sermons before, Jacob. You're, I know what you're getting at. You're gonna say, God won't leave me alone in my impossible situation. But I'm asking how? How, right? That's what we ask. How? I believe the story. I've heard the story. But in my story, how? How will God work in your impossible? Well, I think if the answers are same for you as they are for Mary, and that's what I think, okay? That if the answers are the same for Mary as they, as they are for you, then that means this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. If you're asking how, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. If you're in something tough right now, look for the Holy Spirit. You're like, I don't even know what that means. I don't know that I fully understand what it means either, but look for it. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The impossible places 
are, are where God does some of God's best work. When you see the impossible, look for the Holy Spirit. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. We don't want to be overshadowed, do we? We want people to kind of know us and be noticed. We want to be in the spotlight. But, but once you're overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, you will never want to be in the spotlight again. Once people kind of see you as someone who carries God's power with you, you won't worry about that anymore. Mary was like, how, how, how me? My parents named me bitter. God says, I'll overshadow you. And from now on, when people hear about you, Mary, they're gonna hear about me. And you know that name, Mary, which meant bitter, has been for the last 2,000 years sort of been one of the most revered names for a woman. When my wife was pregnant with our first daughter, I said, I want her to be named Mary. Because when I think about Mary, I think about the impossible coming true. I think about the Holy Spirit falling upon a young girl. And the angel Gabriel says, the word of God will not fail you. If you're asking how, the word of God will not fail you. Stuff will go wrong. Stuff will go wrong in your life. Disease, divorce, death, disappointment, Stuff will go wrong in your life, but God's word will not fail you. No word from God will ever fail. These three things that I just lifted up, the Holy Spirit coming upon you, the power of the most high overshadowing, the word of God not failing you, they're all about the action of God. And I just want to, I've said this before, but the action of God is always more important than your action. We put so much emphasis on our action, and I'm about to get to some of that. But just know the action of God is the most important thing in your life. So would you say that today? Would you say, I want the Holy Spirit to come upon me? Would you say, come on, Holy Spirit? You might say, I don't really know what that means or what that would look like. Well, neither did Mary. Would you say that? I want the Holy Spirit to come upon me. Would you say, I am open to the power of the Most High overshadowing me? where people would maybe not even uh, notice me as much anymore and notice all the stuff I'm going through, but they would see the power of God in my life. Would you say you are open to being overshadowed by God's power? Or would you say, I need God's word to be true. I need to believe that, Jacob. I need to believe that his word for me will not fail. All those things are about what God can do for you. And as I've read this story, the reason I think sometimes we get used to it, because we read it and maybe think it's Mary's story. But if the Holy Spirit's only for Mary, and if the power's only for Mary, and if God's word's only for Mary, then I've totally missed what this whole story is about. And you need a new preacher. You don't need a new preacher. And I'll tell you why. Because I have investigated this scripture perfectly. I've looked at it inside and out. And it's very clear that the good news of Jesus' birth is for all the people. That's what the announcement was. And so it's not just for Mary. And so we read this story and we put ourselves there and we think, the power's for me. The Holy Spirit is on me. God's word will not fail me. But you might wonder, what's my response What am I supposed to do? What is my response in light of these big promises? Well, your response, I think, can just be Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. See how much she's got figured out? See how she's got the plan of the next 10 things? She knows every step she's supposed to take? No. 
She gets this amazing promise of God's power in her life as she's facing a totally impossible thing. And she says, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. Memorize that today, okay? I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. I'm trying to get it lodged in here, okay? That there might be a time this week because this is in here and in here that someone says something that makes you feel as if you have no value, but you can recall God's word that won't fail you. And you say, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said, God. Or you wreck your car or you wreck your life and you say, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said, God. That you no longer have to take on the, the words and the promises of others, but you claim the promises of God like Mary. What does God say? You have the Holy Spirit. The power, the most high, can overshadow you. It's not just Mary's story. And what God says about you is true. Many of you have heard me talk about Tana Clark and Grace and Glory, a nonprofit organization. Tana was a mom who, a stay-at-home mom here in Providence some years ago. She lived here with her husband, Chad, and their three kids. And then she went to Haiti on a mission trip, and uh, she saw the impossible. Haiti had just experienced an earthquake that wrecked everything. Hundreds of thousands were killed. It looked something like this. Tana may have thought, this is what impossible looks like. And she would have been right. And while she was down there in Haiti, the Holy Spirit came upon her. And told her to build a school. And it made about as much sense to her as if God said it to you right now stay-at-home mom who lives in Providence. And do you know what Tana Clark said to God? You want to guess? I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me, as you have said. And so she spent years working toward that goal. She called on us to help. She traveled there time after time after time. There were successes and there were things that set them back. Her husband and our beloved friend Chad died of cancer right in the middle of the dream. You don't think she wanted to give up? Last Christmas, all of you gave generously in the Christmas offering and funded the building of a brand new school. And Tana was there a few weeks ago, and it's built. And the school has grown to over 200 students. And I look at that now and say, that's what impossible looks like. We continue uh, to support grace and glory. Like I said, your offerings will help fund the feeding of these kids. But I share that with you because Christmas is a time we remember the story isn't just nativity scenes and heartwarming Christmas songs. It's about people facing what seems impossible in their real lives and God using really normal, scared open people who are feeling all of it to change the world. A few weeks ago, I was in Jerusalem. And on our last day, we drove out of the city about 30 or 40 minutes to a town, a village in the hill country of Judea. It's the hometown of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And you can park at the bottom of of a big hill and walk up a steep pathway where the people of that village have said for now thousands of years, this is where Mary came after Gabriel visited her to come see Elizabeth. So right after the angel left, 
Mary said, I'm going to Elizabeth's house to see if this is for real. And I walked into that centuries-old church that's built over the place where they think Zachariah and Elizabeth lived. And it holds a special place for me because I named my first daughter not just Mary. I named her Mary Elizabeth because they're two of our greatest heroes who believed in the impossible. Mary went to that village, right, carrying the Holy Spirit inside of her. And she met Elizabeth, who was carrying the Holy Spirit inside of her. And nobody else knew it. They weren't studying and talking about it like a thousand-year-old story. It wasn't written into the fabric of every tradition of Christmas. It was just two normal, open, scared people saying, I've got God overshadowing my life. Do you? And I went and I sat down on an old wooden pew in what's called the Church of the Visitation, because it's where Mary visited Elizabeth. And this mural is up above the altar. It's a picture of Mary in the blue, I assume, and Elizabeth, two miraculously pregnant women who still did not know how it would all turn out. And I looked at it and thought, I think this is what impossible looks like. Just so you don't mishear me, um, I'm not saying that every miracle that we're asking for happens just the way that we hoped it would. I share with you this morning one of our saints of our church, a woman named Shannon Williams, who we've been praying for. Um, She's a drama teacher at Smyrna High School for 22 years, passed away this week. A beautiful woman of God. We prayed for a miracle. Yesterday I stood with her family and many of you and many others and we celebrated the promise, not just of Christmas, but of resurrection. And so in the midst of, of what you are facing, the impossible, we can hold on to Jesus and the promise no matter what. And so even as we walk through those in-between times, sort of like an Advent time, we're saying, I'm not quite seeing it yet. We can still claim the promise. I've written it out in a little prayer that I invite you to pray with me this morning. It just says, Holy Spirit, come upon me. Power of the Most High overshadow me. Word of God, never fail me. Amen. But So I'm going to ask us to pray this together, but before you do it, I just want to offer a warning because if you pray this prayer, it's going to come true. All right? You want me to read it again before you say it? Holy Spirit, come upon me. Power of the Most High, overshadow me. Word of God, never fail me. No one's going to look, but I'll invite you to pray if you want to pray it, okay? Holy Spirit, come upon me. Power of the Most High, overshadow me. Word of God, never fail me. Amen.